Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. All right, we got a short show today because the Mariners are taking on the Diamondbacks. That game starts at 12:10, but we're sending you to a 10-minute pregame show at noon. So we're wrapping up here in about an hour, and then you guys are going to hear live baseball, which I am very, very excited to hear. It makes me feel warmer, like spring is right around the corner. It does, and it gets everybody's weekend started early, too. Right? Like, once you hear Rick Like, Rose's like voice, literally ours, which is pretty nice, uh, but also you guys. Yeah. Which, I mean, look, we are the appetizer. Whether it, We're like half-price apps, right? What? No, no, I'm the we're, entree. What are you talking oh, about? Okay. I'm literally what I am is you're just having like, it's an earlier lunch than normal. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm like steak at the Met. I don't know what you're talking about, Curtis. You're saying, you're sitting here saying I'm like jalapeno poppers from Pretzel Applebee's. Bites, dipping yeah, in cheese. That's so rude. Look, I call it like I see <laughs> it. What? How dare you? How dare you? You're essentially calling me trash on no, air. No, 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 How no. How dare you? I thought I'm we not were calling friends. you trash because some of the best deals are the half price. That's apps. true. Everyone's favorite is appetizers. But what Curtis is saying is that you've got an hour left of us. We're talking baseball. Uh, going. Um, NFL a little bit in four down territory. Then we promised you guys a wild story in the timeline about some espionage happening in the XFL. I'm excited for that one. I can't wait to get to that one. I almost spoiled it because I wanted to talk about it early, but again, that's coming up at 1130. First, we got to bring on Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com and MLB Pipeline joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Jonathan, how's it going? It's going pretty well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, you were out at M's camp yesterday. We wanted to talk a bit about this team, and hopefully if we have enough time, squeeze in some questions about the league as a whole. But I'll start with uh, you know letting you know you know a bit of what we were talking about so we can get some of your insight. We were just talking about some of the Mariners' greatest strengths and whether that makes us feel comfortable about question marks they still have. Um, you know, To start, what do you see as purely to you some of their greatest strengths, and where are their question marks? So you mean like at the major league level? Or at the major league level, yeah. System? We'll start there, and we'll and then we'll get into some prospect talk. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's that's much more my yes. my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I I think you know, uh, in general, when you have a, a starting rotation that deep, um, that's the that's where you start from. Uh, you know, and they have some guys who will be ready to to go in, in the minors if need be. Because when do you ever make it through an entire? Uh, an entire season with with five starters, uh, but I, I think anytime you can go in and have a rotation like they do uh, with guys who can absolutely dominate, uh, I think it's a helps you feel confident that this is a team that not only can compete, but once you get to the postseason, it becomes all the more important that if you have a couple of starters who can completely shut another team down that's a huge advantage that a lot of teams you know are, are constantly looking for and the managers already have that jonathan you visit a lot of camps yesterday you were in mariners camp what was the one thing that you were most looking forward to seeing uh in peoria from the mariners and and did it uh, i guess live up to maybe your expectations of it I, you know, I try not to put too much weight. You know, there's a certain uh, amount of small sample size there uh, to put too much weight into one visit. I think the one thing that I definitely noticed is that there is a, uh, 
there's an energy there um, in terms of the expectation of competing um, that obviously stems from the success that the team had at the major league level last year. Uh, you know, and in bouncing around the camps, you know, there's, I was in Padres camp and I happened to be there the day the Manny uh, Machado extension news broke. Uh, so obviously there was a lot of buzz about that, but just in general, uh, they are feeling uh, exceedingly confident uh, about what they might do. The Mariners, I think, was a little quieter than that, and it makes some sense. You know, they uh, they didn't uh, you know beat their their big brothers up the road. I, I, I can't call the Padres little brothers anymore after the amount of money they spent. But um, but you know, just in a general sense, I, I I just got this feel from the Mariners that they know that they they have a chance to to play you know and, and potentially play deep in, into October. And that anything short of that will be a disappointment as opposed to maybe, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the in Mariners camp say last year uh, or, or the year before, but, you know, I think they knew that they were moving in the right direction last year. Mm-hmm. And then you get that taste of success. And I just think that there is a, uh, a sense that this team has a chance to do some really special things this year. Hey, that's obviously going to be an even better chance if Jared Kelnick can get there. I know that Jared is with the big league club and has been for a couple years, obviously going back and forth. But you know him well, right? Having, uh, you know, been an expert with so many of these prospects. So I was hoping we could kind of revisit, um, you know, what made him so great when you guys were watching him and scouting him and he was in the minors. And do you personally still think he can tap into that? Yeah, I think... I'll take the sort of last part. Secondly, people need to remember he's 23, um, you know, and I think that that gets forgotten for a guy who got to the big leagues as fast as he did. Um, you know, he's not that far removed from being really good in the minor leagues, right? In 2021, he was in in AAA. That was just two seasons ago. And, you know, in the time that he was there, he really hit. And then – Things kind of went south. So I, I really do think there is plenty of time for him to figure things out. And I get it. It's been two years of, of uh, a lot of struggles, a lot more swing and miss. And I think that's the biggest difference. You know, when he was first coming up uh, and even coming out of the draft, he was such a good, pure bat with you know, just impressive contact skills and, and approach at the plate. And that all kind of got off the rails a little bit. I think, you know, he – no one puts more pressure on Jared Kelnick than Jared Kelnick. And I can guarantee you that as things snowballed, he was gripping the bat a little harder. Um, you know, that the, the old sort of cliche of, you know, trying to hit a six run homer in every at bat and you try to make up for things that had gone wrong. And I, I think there was a lot of that with, with him uh, over the last couple of years. I, you know, there were some signs last year uh, late, you know, as you know, that like, I'm like, well, maybe he's starting to figure it out. And people are raving about how he has swung the bat so far in in camp. And it's only spring training. Um, And maybe easing him in as a more of a, of a platoon part or a fourth outfielder um, will take some of the, some of the pressure off of him thinking that he, like he has to be the guy. There are other people who are going to be the guy and he can just contribute. And then maybe, kind of get back to the hitter that we all thought he could be. 
Jonathan, we've heard Jerry Depoto rave about what he's seen from Bryce Miller over the last you know year, especially this offseason, uh, to do you think Miller is a guy that can help contribute at the major league level this season if he gets that call? He could help right now um, wow. if, if they wanted him to. Now, I think the question is, what is his role going to be? Uh, you, you know, I think in a perfect world, you, you don't need him just yet. He can go to AAA. He can keep starting so he can work on all four of his pitches and, and, and continuing to, to, you know, really refine his entire repertoire. And then depending on what the need is, he can move into that. You know, I wouldn't, you don't move a guy into the bullpen now unless he's going to be a reliever because you can't stretch him back out. So I think from a developmental standpoint, and listen, the Mariners have done some fantastic work in terms of maximizing pitchers developmentally. And so when they come to the big leagues, they look like Logan Gilbert and George Kirby. Um, and Bryce Harper's stuff is just as good as those guys. Um, you know, he has a, a past of being a reliever in college until, you know, until his final year, uh, you know, his, his draft year. But he was this kind of guy who went from, oh, he's probably going to end up in the bullpen. That's why he was a fourth rounder. He's got first round stuff. Uh, and the work he has done and the work that, the, you know, the pitching development folks at the Mariners have done, you know, if they want, they can be patient. And I think he has every chance to start, um, you know, but if the first need is out of the bullpen, then you shorten them up and put them in the bullpen, and then you figure it out from there. It used to be that that was kind of a, a fairly standard developmental path where you'd let a guy ease into what it's like to be a, a big league pitcher by pitching out of the bullpen, um, and it doesn't really happen too often, which surprises me given nowadays where a starter needs to go, what, five innings to be deemed successful? So you're not even stretching them out as much. So I, he's going to pitch in Seattle at some point this year. It's just a question of what the role is going to be. Hey, Jonathan, I put you on the spot early by asking about the strengths of the team, but I ask um, because I, I'm a little nervous about um, the gaps particularly where gaps are in the farm system. So I'm hoping that maybe with some of your insight, I can better understand it. I think that this team has great arms at the major league level and also clearly great prospect arms. I worry about the lack of position players. Do you see some promise there in terms of just the farm system? And who's the next closest guy in your mind to potentially being up there? I I think that gap is not in terms of talented players but proximity to the big leagues and you're not you're not wrong in terms of of which hitters are going to be ready i think there are the guys like like the cade marlows of the world who i I think has a chance to be a a solid contributor to the big leagues but he's not you have to hang your hat on him in terms of uh you know turning into some sort of big leaguer, regular. Now, sometimes those guys exceed expectations and they can, he can hit. Um, the, the, the real talent offensively is a little ways away. Mm. Uh, you know, Harry Ford and Cole Young uh, both have a chance to be really, really good. Um, I think Cole Young, even though he's from a you know, cold weather state, uh, that is, he's got a it's kind of advanced bat that he could move a little more quickly. But this, we're talking about the last two, first round picks, one of whom was from Pennsylvania 
and is just getting started and the other whom is a high school catcher and you know that that can take some extra time just because of what needs to go on uh, on both sides of the ball but I think both Harry Ford and Cole Young have the chance to be very very good major league regulars but it's going to be a couple of years you mentioned Ford and he's a guy that we've seen kind of sparingly yesterday he had a an RBI double, or maybe it was a two days ago. Uh, Jonathan, he just seems like a guy that's just dripping in tools, a guy that uh, has athleticism everywhere you look. Is catcher his future, or does it feel like that might be kind of limiting uh, his his top end when he gets to the major league level where you could use that, you know, say in the infield or in the outfield? So, I mean, I, I think could he play pretty much anywhere? Absolutely. You know, he could play second base, he could play center field, but he has all of the tools to be a very good catcher. So when you're talking about all those tools, are you really maximizing him by moving him out from a premium position that's hard to find everyday talent at? I, I don't think so. I understand the, well, he'll slow down a little bit uh, and things like that, so be it. But this is not a guy who doesn't have the ability to hold up as a catcher or, you know, or the ability to receive or call a game or any of those things. He he can do all of that in a plus athletic body and frame. And, you know, I, I think they're doing it right. Um, again, when it gets to the upper levels and there's an opportunity and they want to get the bat in the lineup, then maybe you have another conversation but I think that it, they're making a right call by leaving him back there and not just automatically moving him because he's a plus runner. Hey, very last question. I'll be really quick with it since I know you have to go. But um, just to give us some insight from around baseball, it doesn't have to be limited to the Mariners, but I always love hearing from guys who know prospects well. If there's a name that you are just personally, like you, Jonathan Mayo, so excited to see debut and and have a lot of excitement around. Is, is there a name in baseball in uh, a prospect that you're most curious by? Wow, just one? Uh, yeah, uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> making you choose. So the, um, no, the guy that I will, uh, the guy that I will pick is Ellie De La Cruz of the Cincinnati Reds. Okay. Um, people who saw O'Neill Cruz, you know, in, in Pittsburgh, uh, Ellie De La Cruz is similar in terms that he's six five. He's not as tall, quite as tall as O'Neill Cruz, but he can play shortstop. Uh, he had a twenty forty season in the minors last year. Made it to Double A uh, as a teenager. Uh, he's one of those guys that you don't put a ceiling on because you just don't know what he's capable of. If you told me he's, he could be a 40, 40 guy, Mm. I would absolutely believe it while playing shortstop. Sure. You know, he he may play third in the end just because they have a lot of middle infielders, but in terms of sort of being a dynamic player uh, who has all the tools and, and, and has from what everyone has told me, and I'll, I'll put it in Mariner's terms, a Julio Rodriguez-esque personality. Um, I can't wait to see that in, in, the, in the big leagues. And I live in Pittsburgh, so I'll get to see a lot of him in the NL Central. Oh, that's got to be fun. I'll keep, I'll keep my eye out for him, too. Uh, he is Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com and MLB Pipeline. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining, man. Thanks, we appreciate Jonathan. your insight. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. All right, again, thank you to Jonathan Mayo, who joined us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline this hour of Bump and Stacey's, brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Curtis Rogers and for Michael Bumpus today, let's get to four-down territory. 
This is Four Down Territory, going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, Stacy. All eyes are on two quarterback extensions. Yes, yes. Who are they and what make both deals a fascinating watch for NFL fans? Okay, so the name, obviously, Joe Burrow and uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, but the two words that I'm going to use as to why each contract and each contract situation is really interesting is for Burroughs structure and for Jackson guaranteed money. So um, Joe Burroughs may be more lucrative after all. I mean, he could get like we're talking 50 million a season, um, but there could be some interesting structuring happening for his deal that may affect future deals. It's not going to be like wholly unique to Joe Burrow. But who knows? Maybe it will. There was this really interesting article in The Athletic in which Cincinnati's director of player personnel was quoted. His name's Duke Tobin. And he said, I think Joe understands better than most people. Um, And he's talking about, like, supporting the pieces around him and, and leaving some cap flexibility for the team. That's what makes him a great player. Joe sees the big picture, not only after he takes a snap from center, but when he's walking around the locker room and going to practice, working out in the offseason. Joe sees the big picture. That's what makes him great. So the Bengals and Joe Burrow want to be able to leave open some cap flexibility. They know how competitive the AFC is. They know they've got to get past some really, really great teams to get back to a, or to get to a Super Bowl. And that means leaving money for really talented players. So while Joe Burrow is going to make bank, I'm curious to see how the Bengals are going to structure this one. Meanwhile, you've got Lamar Jackson. This is why the situation is getting interesting. Lamar Jackson is a great player. Former MVP, he is Baltimore's best weapon. Like Burrow, he shares the division with a quarterback who got the most guaranteed money ever in Deshaun Watson, $230 million. There are conflicting voices, conflicting opinions on what he wants, and it all centers around guaranteed money. ESPN has, uh, obviously, Stephen A. Smith, who said on first take that Jackson never demanded a fully guaranteed deal. Meanwhile, ESPN writer Jamison Hensley says that sources told him Jackson does want a fully guaranteed deal. So what we're watching with this one is, yeah, structure's important, but more so how much guaranteed money is he going to get, and is it going to surpass or match Deshaun Watson's? Second down. Stacey, we've got some good news out of the combine on a potential Seahawks pick. What is it? Okay, so one of the most commonly mocked names to the Seahawks, you guys already know, it's Tyree Wilson. And I don't actually know a ton about Tyree Wilson other than just pure athleticism, but yesterday we were talking when Bump was in for Four Down Territory about why he loves Dan Campbell, and he said because Dan Campbell recognizes that part of what makes the combine useful for coaches and GMs is the ability to just talk to players, to talk to any of the players that are there. That is where Tyree Wilson has excelled, according to Daniel Jeremiah. Tyree Wilson is receiving rave reviews for interviews with teams. He says, I've heard the name come up multiple times, a polished pro. He also mentions Michael Mayer, but Tyree Wilson is really where we're focused. I think that culture matters a lot, a lot to Pete Carroll and John Schneider. And I think Tyree Wilson... You know, people have looked at him as like, oh, is he going to be the third best option behind Jalen and behind Will Anderson? Is there a gap behind those two? And traditional forecasting for the draft says yes. But I love hearing that someone is that talented with that big a wingspan and also like like interviewing and also among one of the best interviews at the combine. Like, I think that that is really, really engaging, not only to fans, but to GMs and coaches. So I love hearing him. It's like a condor, like a really engaging condor. Yeah. Yeah. A bird of prey. Uh, Third down. 
Tyree Wilson, born in Anchorage, Alaska, by the way. Love it. Not too many Alaskans in the NFL, I don't yeah. think. Uh, really underrepresented group, the Alaskans. Is, yeah. Uh, third down, who has improved their draft stock over the last couple of days? All right. Uh, quick answer, Will Anderson Jr. For two reasons, one of them very obvious. Will Anderson Jr. and Jalen Carter were the top two defensive line prospects in the draft. As you guys all know by now, Jalen Carter currently in some legal trouble. There's going to be character concerns and character questions. Do I think that Jalen Carter slips out of even the top five? I'd still be really surprised to see that. I do, though, think that that has made Will Anderson Jr. more of a target in people's eyes. I think that there's a chance Will Anderson Jr. also goes ahead of Jalen Carter. One of the best things going for him is he's actually working out at the combine. Like he knows that he could go as high as number three overall to Arizona and he's still there doing pass rush drills. He's drawing a ton of comparisons to Khalil Mack. Um, Also, you have Nicole Lynn, who I know is an agent, but still some insight here. She said, the best player in college football still decides to compete today when he could have sat and done nothing. That's the player you'll get when you draft Will Anderson. So you have character endorsements for him, which I think people are looking at him saying, what if he's the better of the two defensive linemen? Look, it, it, some of it is through his own doing and some of it's not. But I think Will Anderson is quickly making himself maybe the best defensive line prospect in the draft and could be selected ahead of Carter. Fourth down. Stacey, what accolade do you hope to see earned by a Seahawk next season? All right, I'll be really quick here because I know we're against the clock, and I'll keep it also really simple, a Pro Bowl. I want to see a Pro Bowl defensive lineman. It's something that this team hasn't had since Michael Bennett was a Pro Bowler back in 2017, and it's really confusing because Frank Clark actually has a career high in sacks. He's never surpassed 13 sacks, uh, did that with Seattle in 2018, and yet his three Pro Bowl seasons all with Kansas City in the seasons since then. So I would love to see Seattle for the first time in what five six seven years it's been a while get a pro bowl defensive lineman whether it's a rookie um you know what i'll even i'll even maybe consider some outside linebackers given the recency of the switch to a three four but i i think it's much needed for this team the most successful teams excel there and i'd love to see it for seattle let's get to what's on tap this is what's on tap with bump and stacy brought to you by dick's driving so folks What's on tap? What's on tap? The Mariners. They immediately follow us on Seattle Sports Station. Pre-game starts at noon. First pitch is at 12, 10 p.m. Marco Gonzalez gets the start on the mound for Seattle. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Curtis Rogers in for Michael Bumpus today. Coming up, some espionage in the XFL. That's next. This is The Timeline with Bump and Stacy. Brought to you by 1-800-DUIOA. It is the timeline on Bump and Stacy. Curtis Rogers in for Michael Bumpus today. We are also heading into our final two segments here. Final 30 minutes of the show because you guys are going to get some live baseball. Out. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. <laughs> Only the regular listeners know what a hard out is, and it gives me a heart attack every time. I love it. I because, don't. Oh, well, I love it because I, I'm normally in control of it, and today I'm not. It's Matt Nelson who's in control of it. So Matt can manipulate you much differently than I can where why are we can, talking about yeah. this like it's a fun thing so a hard out is when because <laughs> you get panicky listen and it's, it's a hard out happens when you usually it's game programming right like play by play so like if a Seahawks pregame show is following us or a Mariners you pre-game have to show end the show on at the exact, exact second, second. Yeah. so 
So this is what I wish people knew about radio, too. Like 30 percent of what you do about radio is just no sports. And then uh-huh. and then the other 70 percent is, is like just... all mechanical stuff. Uh-huh. Try to tell yourself, I'm going to stop talking and bring this sentence to a conclusion at 15 seconds after this minute. No sooner, no later. Uh-huh. Your heart will stop. Yes. <laughs> Just a warning, I am going to tell you the wrong time Stop just so it, I can Matt, cut you off that's not sentence. funny. It's not, if I get cut off mid-sentence, you guys know why. It's because Matt told me the wrong time. Okay. Uh, this is the timeline reading you the top stories you're going to see on your own timeline. Let's start uh, with some more college basketball, though. Uh, we are not talking about UW here. And possibly his last ever college game, Detroit Mercy's Antoine Davis fell. You already know the answer. I was going to have you guess. A maddening three points short. A single shot. It's, that's exactly what it is. It's not like nine. It's a single basket. It's not. It's it's not like oh, if you would have had like you know just a, another ten minutes of playing time, one more shot, one more shot, you'd have the NCAA record for most career points. Uh, here is the final of that call. Seven seconds left. Davis to tie the record. It's off the mark. Rebound to rush of YSU. Laying on the floor. Game over. Uh, So there's that, which I, Curtis, want to hear you react to. But you guys should also know the CBI tournament today said they're evaluating adding Detroit Mercy to their field of teams so that Davis has another shot at passing Uh, Maravich's record. Okay. Which you are not in favor of and I think is fine. The original, yeah. So I think there's more honor to it if he falls three points short. Because this no one feels remembers like, second place. Yes, but it feels like a charity thing that the CBI tournament is doing here, so that he can pass it. I think it it speaks more to the greatness of what Pistol Pete Maravich did during his college yeah. career, because he set that record in like sixty fewer games than Antoine Davis played. Uh, I believe he didn't even play like a hundred total games in his college career That's to wild. set that record. Um, and I mean, look, like he had an opportunity last night. To, he needed 26 points to tie the record and he fell short of that. Yeah. Yeah. This guy has played, I think, five years because he got he was granted the extra year of eligibility because of, uh, of COVID and how that ended one season prematurely. And the, the NCAA gave everybody that year extra year of eligibility. He's had plenty of chances to get that one basket. He's missed a lot of shots. You can't make a lot of shots without missing a lot of shots. Yeah. If you fell a basket short, you fell a basket short. See, I look at it because I'm a pathetic, soft person as like, well, but then he gets to have this record and it's this cool thing that he can have. The CBI tournament is even less than the NIT. Look, we're talking about probably like the hundred and 20th ranked best teams in the country. I guess you don't want this asterisk next to you forever, which is that you didn't with your record as a team get in there. It was just kind of like, yeah, sure. We'll let it happen. Uh, I mean, look, if he breaks the record, he breaks the record. It's not going to take away from the greatness that Pistol Pete Maravich was in in his NCAA career and also in his NBA career following that. And I don't even know if this guy is going to have an NBA career yeah. um, because, got to be honest, hadn't really heard about him until yesterday. Hey. Uh, but, look, I think it's more honorable to not play the CBI tournament it is. and fall three points short. Sure, a thousand percent. But Curtis, as someone who loves trivia, you know that you would like to be able to answer the Antoine Davis holds that that's, record when no one else true. knows. That's true because 
Everybody knows who Pistol P. Maravich is. No one knows who this guy is. And I love, love knowing trivia that no one else knows. Oh, someone said uh, Pistol had no three-point line, too. That's true. Uh, next story in the timeline, I mentioned some espionage in the XFL. Mm. Here we go. The XFL's Orlando Guardians have cut quarterback Quentin Dormady after he allegedly gave an opposing team plays what? from the Guardians' <laughs> no. playbook. The team heard about the rumor, investigated, then released him. His stats have also been scrubbed from the XFL's official website they're still on wikipedia though i went on there and looked for them um wow i want to know the background so i don't think i tried to find it so unless it's like kind of hard to find not verified and or not his name i couldn't find quentin dormady's twitter account he has an instagram account if i were him i would want to tweet out my side because i have a hard time believing now it's certainly possible and i there's love there's no this, way this, this guy ever well, plays football again the sto- right? no professional not. football the story's juicier if he leaked the plays because he was upset about something like the head coach was saying that they need better players like he so yeah, yeah. this might explain why earlier this week we heard terrell buckley in this exact segment have this kind of response when asked about if there are any positives in the game. From tonight, is there a positive that you pull from somebody who played well, something you saw that you did like? No. So maybe he hates him, right? Maybe, maybe Quentin hates the head coach and is like, I'm tired of you. I want. I, I don't want you to get a single win. Or maybe this is something where he's rooming or friends with someone who, you know, plays for another team and they were just talking about, you know, like, oh my God, we have this play that's so annoying because they don't look at it as the same as NFL teams. Well, and that's the thing is that in like the you'd XFL... you never tell another NFL player, here's no. what we got going on. And the XFL houses their players in the same, like, compound in Texas. Uh, so they're always in close proximity with other teams, whereas... You don't really have to worry about this so much in the NFL where everybody is housed in their cities where mm-hmm. they play. I mean, obviously now with phones and, and computers and whatnot, you could take a screenshot of your playbook and send it to a guy and be like, Which this is what we're running. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what he did. Maybe he this. Didn't, maybe left his binder of plays out in like the cafeteria or something. Maybe we got like, a Black Sox situation. It's possible. Hey. I mean, look, they're... With sports betting as big as it has become, as it continues to get legalized throughout the country, like there's going to be instances where players have placed bets. Yeah. At, like Calvin Ridley got banned from the NFL for an entire year because he placed a bet on a game that he wasn't involved in, but he still placed a bet on a game. Like maybe this was him trying to make some extra cash on the side. No, by... Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Curtis. Also, you if you're betting on XFL some... games, man, you're, you're down bad. Yeah, You're down bad. Uh, I don't know what this was. Something tells me it's a little more complicated than just giving another team plays. Uh-huh. But who can say? Who can say? Who can say? Who, can who say? among us? Uh, next story here. Be really quick with it. The Twins pitch comp system malfunctioned where it was so loud that the Rays could hear their pitch selections. <laughs> hear me out. Let's do this every time, but only yeah. with teams facing the Mariners. What's funny, though, is that even with the Rays being able to hear the they Twins st- pitch comp selections, <laughs> they still couldn't put a run on the board against Kenta Maeda. They were shut out after two oh, innings. God, no. Yeah. <laughs> you are listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Curtis Rogers in for Michael Bumpus today, and we are wrapping things up next with what I need to know because you have live baseball at noon. Get your questions in now. Any question you have to the Mac and Jacks text line, that number is 866-979-3776. Send any question you have for what I need to know next. Bump and Stacy. 
powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Mariners baseball coming your way in 15 minutes. Let's get to what I need to know. Brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling, Electric. Get your questions in now. Any question you have, sports or not, text it to the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. We are going to start with sports. Curtis, Curtis Rogers in for Bump today. Do the Mariners make the playoffs if they do, in fact, finish with the 18th best pitching staff? I would say no. Wonder if you guys agree. Thanks. Uh, I do agree with this texture. I don't think they make the playoffs if they finish with the 18th best pitching staff. But you also but don't think I don't, they Yeah, have, exactly. Yeah. I don't think they're going to finish that low. I think they are going to uh, be similar to what they were a year ago. As Jonathan Mayo pointed out, it's going to be really hard for them to go through an entire year with the amount of health that they had. Yeah. Where none of their starting pitchers landed on the injured list at, at any point last year. That's going to be really tough to do. Uh, for another season, but I still think the pitching staff is going to be very, very good this year. What I need to know, Curtis, this one's for you, is anything worse than a door-to-door salesman coming and ringing your doorbell, right, as the baby's going down for a nap? Also, the immediate anxiety of, is she going to wake up? They still have door-to-door salespeople in in 2023? Uh, Or like... Or just people that go around. delivery guys, too. I was thinking more people that come around and they're like getting you to sign a survey or like... Buy this vacuum. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it that is tough with the doorbell going off, right, as you're trying to get your kid down for a nap. Another thing that stinks is just trying to get your kid down for a nap, and they refuse to. And then it's like, well, I had these two hours planned to just do stuff that I want to do, eat yeah. lunch, get some chores done around the house, and they just refuse to go down. It's like... What the heck? This is not our agreement, Willa. <laughs> this is not what we agreed to. You're being a to. little rude and yeah. inconsiderate right now. Think about mom and dad for a change. Yeah. Uh, that, to me, is is worse than having them woken up right after being put down like that is where they just simply refuse. What I need to know, if you've had your car broken into, how did you handle it? It's taken over my entire week, had all my softball gear stolen. No, Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, So I had my whole car stolen. Your whole car? Yeah. uh, Six years ago in a couple months, uh, I had just moved to Portland, Oregon. And so I still had a lot of stuff in my car uh, as I was about to move in and it got stolen from a park and ride and I get off the train into the parking lot and it's like I remember parking right here oh the realization of it would have yeah, killed it was one of the biggest sinking feelings of all oh, time no. uh, luckily I was uh, sleeping on the couch of a buddy's place at the time and so I called him and I was like dude I have no way of getting home right now and he's like oh man like I'll, I'll come pick you up. And then uh, you make the call to insurance. Yeah. First off, like that's your very first thing. So make sure uh, you do that. Yeah. Call, call your local police department. They're probably not going to be able to help you out right away, which stinks, but they probably will end up finding your car. They found my car like two weeks later. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing inside of it. It was completely gutted. Uh, they had jammed the ignition to where I couldn't restart my car. So it was a total loss. Uh, but I know that feeling, Texture. It yeah. is it is a helpless feeling, and it stinks because it's like, why me? Why am I having to deal with this on top of everything else that life throws at you? Um, but you know what? You'll be able to laugh about it in a few years. You're, and if insurance takes good care of you, if they get you a nice check for, for your damages and for your losses, it's water under the bridge. Um, hopefully they didn't steal anything that was like, 
you know, uh, sentimental to you. I know yeah. they mentioned their softball gear, yeah. which is very expensive. Yes. But I feel like bats can be replaced. Gloves can be replaced. But just hopefully they didn't steal anything of, of sentimental value. I'm going to add on one more thing. That was such good insight that sometimes when bad things happen, like let yourself be nice to yourself and treat yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? And let like people help you too. Yeah. Because people DoorDash will come to or whatever your... yourself some like yeah. Just get some nice food for yourself and just chill for an afternoon and let yourself be nice to yourself. Yeah, people will come to your aid. I had a buddy of mine uh, who had an extra car that lived just across the border in Washington at the time and was like, hey, I, I heard you need an extra car. Uh, you can drive my car Aww. if you need wheels for the time being. And yeah. so I did drive his car for a little bit. Uh, what I need to know, do you think Suarez, Julio, and Teo will all hit over 30 homers? I think it's certainly possible. I, th- I think so. I mean, it would be a phenomenal be season. Yeah. Can you imagine? Three guys with over 30 bombs? I'll gladly take that. I think last they year have they only the ability to do it. Well, yeah. Teo had 32 last year, 35. Uh-huh. And then Gino had, I think, 31. Julio fell short at, I think, 28 or 29. But those are all numbers where it's like, yeah. I mean. Well, and Cal Raleigh almost hit 32. Yeah. Um, let's see what I need to know. If you played in the NFL, would you rather have Wyman or Brock as a teammate and why? There's, I don't relate to quarterbacks. You I got just, some quarterback I, no, like I just, wow. I don't have quarterback brain. <laughs> so I, there are some things that Brock does where it's just like, that's you, man. Where oh. like with Wyman, Wyman's a linebacker. He's cracking jokes. He is, you know, he's, he's, I feel like linebackers and like tight ends are the most normal people in a football locker room. So I, I, I'm going with Wyman. I love Broccoli, Brock Heward. Um, I think I would choose Wyman though. Just, it's a big position group, right? Hang out with all the linebackers, the front seven guys, defensive guys seem like they're probably like a great time. It's always the loudest part of the locker room is the defensive line, in my experience, (laughs) at least. I covered a very (laughs) unique point of Seahawks football, though, where there were just big personalities on that defense, so... Uh, Not to say that Brock is a bad guy or anything. I just said I love Broccoli. Yes. One of my favorite people. He's doing chin-ups in between breaks. Whereas Wyman is eating jelly beans. Yeah. I think that, you know, Brock would outshine and overshadow. And I'd be like, I can't. I need someone who I'm just going to. Yeah, we're going to chill and eat jelly beans. Yeah. That's what I would like. Uh, (laughs) All right. What I need to know. um, Evan White making the MLB roster and starting at first base able to hit 230 with France at full-time DH would be huge. It's not a question. It's just a statement. Yeah. (laughs) How about about I turn it into a question? This will be our last one. Do you see Evan White being able to make the roster? And do you like what the Mariners are doing with DH, the potential to move maybe even Ty France there? I'm starting to think that Evan White will have a presence on the Major League roster this season, especially based off of what Jerry DePoto has said in camp that he was one of the more eye-opening players to start. Uh, And then, you know, he's had experience at the big league level in the past. Obviously, he's dealt with his fair share of injuries over the last year plus. Um, If they can get a above 200 average out of Evan White and he hits 15 to 20 home runs, 
I mean, that is going to add something to this team, especially with how great of a defensive first baseman he is. And look, Ty France has dealt with his fair share of injuries. If you can allow him to maybe not play in the field so much, get a couple days off as DH, that'd be great. I think, honestly, it would also feel kind of good to have the Mariners hit on a position player, on a hitter. Like It would feel nice to have that work out. All right, you guys, you have... Uh, day baseball coming your way. Let's Mariners go. starting next. Do not go anywhere. Mariners taking on the Diamondbacks right here on 710 AM Seattle Sports Station.